Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Levantex podcast, where we discuss both political and cultural issues. There is so much going on in the world currently, so many different topics, but today we are focusing on women. And our main guest is Caroline Fatal. Caroline is the founder of I Stand for Women, and you can check that out on Instagram with all their updates, their talks, all the different trainers and support that they have got out there for those that would like to be empowered, want to find new tools and resources to be able to further their careers and uh, a lot more so instead of me going on about it i am going to invite caroline to our conversation so we can find out just a little bit more hi caroline thank you for joining us today hello sophie how are you doing thanks for hosting me you are more than welcome it's an absolute pleasure to have you on air with us today now caroline let's start with a little bit about why you wanted or felt the need to launch um, I Stand for Women. You know, why did you take it upon yourself um, to find the purpose in empowering Arab women and women in general? Uh, so I, I started actually the idea of Stand for Women emerged uh, some long time ago when I had the chance to meet uh, a mentor called Pelina Thompson uh, in my coaching journey because I'm an executive coach. It's one of my hats. Penina is uh, the author of uh, many books, but among them, one called A Woman Places in the Boardroom. And then she followed it with uh, another one more explanatory, A Woman's Place is in the Boardroom, The Roadmap. And Penina is the one who introduced me to gender inequalities in the workplace. And she had a lot of statistics to share. She, she's a coach and she was also leading a program in the UK with the chairman and uh, becoming mentors for women who want to grow the ladder. And so Penina was really the eye opener for me. It's the first catalyst for creating stand for women. And the other catalyst was actually uh, when I was named repetitively by Forbes Middle East as one of the 100 most powerful Arab women in business. And I, I thought at first that you know, they made a mistake the first year, but when they repeated the, the ranking, I thought then, what does it mean to be a powerful woman? What does it mean if you don't help other women? And no one knows about you, no one knows about the other women in this ranking. And so that's where the idea of giving back to the community, giving back to other women, helping them grow the, the ladder uh, emerged. And so Stand for Women was registered as an official NGO back in 2017. Caroline, that's uh, that's absolutely wonderful. You know, I I engage and I interview a lot of women, and a lot of them don't have a following. A lot of them don't necessarily um, have a platform to talk on, and you know, aren't really given the space. But they have they have the track records. You know, so I think things like this is super necessary, especially in the world now where women, especially this region where women's voices, you know, are quieted down. Um, I mean, in Lebanon since 2019, the women have not stopped. So I'm good on them then, you know, they've taken the mic, they've taken control, they're, they're saying their pieces and they're not afraid. Um, I don't think they were all, they were afraid before. They've always been quite powerful, but like they're making a really large noise. And um, it's really nice to see. And it's happening across the board. You know, it's even happening in Saudi Arabia. Now, just to touch on what you mentioned in regards to business, I was reading an article this morning and it was saying to me that, uh, I'm going to quote it for you actually, that Merrill, yes. it's according to a study um, at Merrill Lynch, 61% of women would rather discuss their death than talk about <laughs> their money. 
So, and this is talking about women who actually are established, do have a career, however, would like to maybe invest in stocks and trades or cryptocurrency or smaller businesses and don't necessarily have the large scale cash grant to be able to help. Or when they go and apply for a loan, they're most likely not given the loan to be able to go into this idea of investment. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And what type of things would you set into place to try to curb something like this? Yeah, so you mentioned two important things. The first thing is women lack of investment into stock market. And, you know, uh, and this is one point we're going to come back to. And the second point is access to finance for women entrepreneurs. So the first point is absolutely correct. Women are less likely to uh, invest in the stock market or invest their savings. And this is actually uh, quite unfortunate. But some barriers to that is that, you know, usually it's a banking industry or the finance industry dominated by men and have a special jargon that is really sometimes un un understandable for us. There are too few women who can talk to you about you know, portfolio management, buying stocks or bonds or whatever in a language that you understand. So there is a kind of a limitation in, first in, in that. But knowing that women, especially in the Middle East, will be heiresses, will be the ones who will really have a lot of money at hand and them investing this money because of course there are statistics that show that if you keep your money in cash uh, it's you know it erodes over time and it's very important for women to invest and there is a woman that i really admire as well sally kochek she created elevest in the us and i think she has major uh, investors in her company like serena williams etc uh, even women who really believe in that she's teaching women to invest their money she's saying even if you have very little every month you should put a little saving on the side and invest your money in the stock market or in places otherwise your money is going to erode at the time of uh, of your retirement so this is one point true women don't like to uh, you know don't take are more let's say risk aware and sometimes risk averse and having people who speak a language that is understandable to us it makes us more at ease to invest our money even very little savings you know months after months and the other the thing that you're talking about is women access to finance and the difficulty in finding loans when they have businesses and because usually also they are asked to have collaterals and sometimes they don't have collaterals they don't have a land or they don't have an apartment or it's in the name of the, the father or the brother or the husband and so uh, it, 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 it's really a very tough journey and even the more now that of course with the financial collapse of Lebanon it's even more difficult for women to to get access to to finance really. I know I'd have to put my hands up, you know, yeah. I, I'm one of those women. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it is difficult. And uh, my, my main goal is to give voices to women is to bring up um, the taboo, the stigma to have these discussions to create a platform yeah. that is safe. Um, and so, you know, Yes, I, I fully, no, no, I fully agree because I'm also on the board of a microfinance institution. Microfinance is a solution because uh, it's not as complicated as getting a loan from a bank. And now some microfinance institutions give you loans uh, up to, uh, you know, an, an uh, acceptable size. Uh, another, another option now is that there are a lot of grants that are being given by international organizations, uh, you know, paired with local, like Veritech, uh, you know, so there are funds and it's, uh, you have the, 
femme francophone entrepreneur that's going to happen anytime soon. There are like competitions and things where you, they help you fine tune your business plan, you know, the, your also elevator pitch. And at the end, if you win or there are a few winners, you can get the grant. So I, I please, I mean, I encourage women really to follow this, follow our page because we always put uh, these kinds of stuff uh, available. And if they are part of uh, our emailing database, we also send them uh, these kind of opportunities. Uh, that, I think that's something a lot of women need to hear. Um, it's a lot of uh, a lot of people don't necessarily know. I mean, yeah. for us uh, who are on social media or are on on uh, we're online a lot. You know, we use LinkedIn, for example. We're more likely to come across your page or the things I yes. stand for women is doing. You know, however, you do have a lot of women. You know, that don't necessarily have as much access, especially in this part of the world. You know, um, sure. let's talk about Akka. Let's talk about Trablos. We can talk about these areas that are hard to reach they're marginalized however there are women in there that are maybe running a, a shop or running a tailoring service or doing haute couture but we don't know and they don't know how to reach out so True. i think uh, i think you know just get making this um available and hopefully by word of mouth it might get there but what types of things do you do on the ground to make sure you can try to access ty these types of communities yes so you know, Stand for Women initially when it started was mainly on, uh, our work was mainly on social media to raise awareness about gender inequalities, the difficulty in getting the right pay, getting promoted, etc. We also then ventured into uh, academia. So together with Eza Business School, we work on a program called Women in Leadership that we're giving in academia and now in the private sector. And then when August 4 happened, everything changed. I mean, I said to myself and to the team, we cannot stay just on social media and, you know, in academia, we have to go on the ground. So immediately we helped uh, women-owned small businesses that were affected by the explosion. We have built a database uh, thanks to the help of UN Women and to our work on the ground and uh, to sister NGOs. We have a database of 240 women. And to date, we were able to help around 130. And so we want, of course, to continue to help the rest of them. And we want to expand outside of Beirut because, as you just mentioned, there are women who desperately need as well help in outside of Beirut. And uh, we have had uh, the chance to participate, uh, to be partners in a program developed by Facebook together with the 3QA here in Lebanon, where they ask us to submit a database of uh, women businesses uh, all over Lebanon. The focus was mainly uh, outside of Beirut. Uh, and we are also now working with FNF, a German NGO, on also uh, developing a program for women outside of Beirut, financial literacy, etc. So there are programs. Uh, it's true that they, we have worked as well with other uh, concerned worldwide and rich NGO in Ankara to think how we can we can do that. So. There are programs, and you're right, the idea is uh, how to reach out to women. So it's through, it's through local NGOs who have already, uh, uh, you know, their foot on the ground that we will be able. So collaboration between NGOs is very important. Definitely. Um, I think this is something that uh, I have spoken to a lot of people that run NGOs, and they do tell me continuously that there is this issue and challenge, you know, 
that there or this ego is at play where NGOs are lacking to lacking this initiative to collaborate. I'm not saying I stand for women is one of them at all, but I'm just saying I've heard, you know, some there are some organizations that say we need to come together. So we're not all uh, feeding the same people, you know, let's come together and understand and, and make it more strategic. Some get involved, some don't want to, some want their own recognition, some don't want to be affiliated, they want their own credibility. So I mean, have you encountered any of this through what you've tried to do? And if you did, how would you try to make sure that you can try to break that barrier, you know, like since you're breaking so many in the process, they might as well break this one too. Yes. Uh, look, I haven't, I mean, I, in, since August 4, I really haven't felt this at all. And before I, I didn't have this impact and reach to be able to give you an opinion. But really, on the contrary, for me, I, we have been able to do our work only thanks to collaboration between NGOs. And it's beautiful because also you have groups and email groups uh, where people ask each other, did you already have this SME? Didn't you? Uh, if yes, how much, etc. So we're trying because there is no there is no government body, there is no body that is supervising all that. So we had have had to do it all by ourselves. And really, uh, we decided, for example, and I, I can name you 20 NGOs with, with whom we have collaborated. Some of, and we said, okay, you will do the core and shell. We come after in the shop to help them buy stocks and equipment. And then after with other NGOs, we collaborated on mental health support. Uh, from my end, I really didn't witness uh, this uh, I heard that as well, but for, from our end, we, we didn't. And I think if, if you ask me for an advice, it's just about calling and saying, reaching out and saying, you know, we're doing that. We have this uh, amount of budget. It's not expendable. Can, you, can, you, can we do that together? And it, for me, it worked beautifully. Since you just mentioned budget, um, how much trouble have you faced now with the financial crash and being a, the, the, the capital control? Are you limited to, to, to access your own funds that would need to be used to help? Like, What type of difficulties have you faced and how have you managed to get around them? And maybe you haven't, you know, but what type of solutions are there just in case anyone might be facing the same thing? They can hear your story and see how you managed to get around that. So I I mean, we were forced actually to run and try to find uh, amicable uh, bank who would help us open an account outside of Lebanon because we didn't want at all that our funds would be hijacked you know, by local banks. So we, we were able to pass the government, the governance and the KYC necessary to open an account outside of Lebanon so we can receive donations uh, uh, outside of Lebanon in fresh dollars and then make uh, our transfers as much as, we, as needed. Uh, we uh, also... Uh, we're able, uh, and we have to slowly, slowly remove uh, our uh, the amounts we have in the bank here. It's painful. It's really painful to feel that the money that you have received from donors is blocked in a way and can just be given to you in a bilatar. I mean, uh, good by good. I don't know how you said in English. I mean, we say we uh, say dribs yeah. and drabs. Dribs yeah, and exactly, dribs <laughs> and drabs. Uh, but uh, it hasn't stopped our work, and uh, we are continuing. Um, so. What advice would I give? Uh, if, if you can, of course, if open an account abroad, it, it would be great. So far, uh, I have you know, tapped into the money uh, in, of uh, family and, and large group of friends. We have, um, we have submitted a lot of uh, requests for proposal. We have answered, and unfortunately, and we have asked the help of people who know how to write these things, et cetera. Unfortunately, we have lost most of them. So either 
or you know it's a jargon that I really don't master or maybe there are other people who are more needy of the funds and so sometimes because I'm a businesswoman you know I'm not uh, I'm not originally someone who is from the NGO world or and it's 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 striking for me to understand uh, how money is allocated and to who uh, but I, I I will continue I will persevere because I believe in the cause of helping women owned SMEs. In the U.S., I was stunned that even in the Biden administration, they have one person dedicated for SMEs. So this is the backbone of the economy. It's the small businesses. And really, it was important for me to, to make sure that women businesses would remain after Beirut, uh, the Beirut explosion. There was a danger, according to UN Women study, that they would evaporate. Uh, because women were under too much of a stress and they had other priorities. And so for and many women we visited after the explosion said we were about to close. If you were not going coming and say no, we're gonna put the money in and help you, uh, they would have closed shop. And for me it's absolutely necessary that they don't and that they stay and and the story is not finished unfortunately because they, they faced after the explosion the COVID crisis and many more issues and and so we are still helping them today to stay in business. Carolina, as you can see, I welled up a bit. <laughs> it's it, it's it's been so hard um, for everybody, especially women. And you know, we've been discussing and talking amongst my friends, amongst business owners as well. You know, female that are struggling, looking outside, looking to try to franchise or move their business away yeah. because there's no form of hope or future here. However, before we get into all of that, you just mentioned, you know, um, the economy and restarting or rebooting the economy and a way to do that, I've heard and have read that it is investing in women, giving women more of a chance, uh, <clears throat> a working chance, and it will, it will change everything because you're not, you're tapping, you're not tapping into a well um, or a great resource, you know, you have this large amount um of women uh, and girls that are just being um yeah. ruled over or overlooked um or put down or undervalued where if you just gave them that just little bit we might be able to get out of the crises that we're in and especially especially the fact that most of the people that are leaving or have left are male you know, the breadwinners are, have sort of had to be the first ones out. Um, and in Lebanon, we were already struggling. We were already, the population was um, more women than it was uh, male um, because of our diaspora and the men working abroad in the GCC and sending money back. So what are your thoughts on this? Like, what, could, what type of strategy could you possibly get involved with, you know, maybe with these upcoming political parties or with the government itself once it decides to make one? <laughs> you know, what kind of role can you play here to maybe work as a business consultant and create this type of resource? I mean, it's so, you've mentioned it, it's so necessary, but is anyone yeah. listening? I, I'm not sure anyone is listening. I'm not sure anyone is really taking measures. I mean, we have much more complicated stuff to, to manage in this country, but this is the backbone of, of the economy. And it's very true what you were just saying that if you help one woman, the statistic is that she helps six people around her. So, so it's the direct family, it's the children, it's the parents, it's etc. And most of the women we are helping, unfortunately, are now the only breadwinners in their families. Uh, either they are widows, uh, or the husband has been injured or has a severe disease. And so these women really are the backbone of their families. 
And uh, without them, really, the family would be in a dire situation. So this is one thing I want to I want to I want to just uh, build on on what you said. Another thing is that nothing is too small. We have a French NGO called Dare Women that I want to honor here, and uh, they, they they love Lebanon. They came to visit, uh, and it's all about women gaining back their audacity. And and so we are like a, a counterpart to them here. And they told me, Caroline, we want to help five women entrepreneurs. And please choose uh, someone from your your pool of talent uh, uh, that is francophone and that has been uh, affected by the blast. And we will do a, a joint program, Stand for Women and Dare Women. And we will give one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. We will give uh, group coaching. And uh, we will try to give them exposure through a podcast in France and hopefully through a small TV interview, etc. And this is going well. And it's beautiful because the women have, are feeling so much supported. They are feeling that someone even from abroad is thinking of them. I have been approached by PwC in Canada who want to do something similar. I think the sisterhood, because maybe I didn't mention that Stand for Women had two pillars, women's economic inclusion, of course, we've been discussing this all over, but also sisterhood, women supporting each other. And through building this web of you know sisters uh, from France, Canada, we have had uh, pop-up uh, events, finance, I mean, give their proceeds to stand for women from Singapore to Paris. Uh, so this web of women supporting each other, I think is very powerful. And no Lebanese uh, woman entrepreneur or business owner should feel alone. And uh, and I was very glad that, you know, well, now people come to us as a referral, either for women businesses or, you know, when there's still a business that has not been restored, they know that we are the place to go. And so we are the voice of women. And, and I'm so, so, so grateful and proud uh, for, for that. And you deserve yeah. it, Caroline. You deserve it. You deserve <laughs> it. Maybe yeah. I, I didn't mention. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't mention the type of women we have had or we are helping. The first type are very vulnerable women, and they are in quantity the most, the biggest number. So women who are small store owners, like you know, grocery store, the Kenny, uh, or women who are hairdressers, uh, tailors, etc., flower or flower shop owners. The second category of women are women who still employ people, more than five people. It was important for us to support women who keep jobs in the country. So these are uh, women supermarket owners or restaurant owners or the likes. And the third category is the women who keep a certain culture heritage in Beirut. We didn't want Beirut to become a third world city without the charm that it has and having lost all its talent uh, in terms of heritage. So we're helping also designers, jewelers, uh, you know, furniture, craftsmen, whatever. And so this is how slowly, slowly, you know, we, we put um, uh, the framework of who are the women we, we're going to help. That's it's it's these people like you interact with them every day and you see it in their eyes and you still actually see hope and you see some form of happiness even with all of the stuff that's happening so that little bit of help from you is just is just perfect like I can't I can't express how many women I have run into and you look at them and they still smile and they smile at you and they say it's going to be okay like we got through worse we we've done yeah. this you know we've we've had to send our kids abroad you know we've had to fight endless court battles because we haven't managed to pass on our citizenship you know we can get through this and we will get through this and you know with organizations like yours standing behind them there's no reason why they can't so thank you caroline um, for standing there, for speaking for us, um, for putting it out there. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I've wanted to chat to you for a while. 
um, but you're a very busy lady, <laughs> which, which is a great thing, which is a great thing and um, much respect and much love to you. Usually I give uh, my guests a chance, you know, while they have the airwaves to say whatever they would like to say to our audience. So your audience here is largely female, so it's your perfect platform. So please take the mic. Uh, well, I, you know, what I would really love to say to women is that we, we have all what it takes. And sometimes it's just a push from another woman, a word, uh, a hug. I know hugs are difficult these days, but a hug, a handshake, a smile. Um, it, it makes all the difference. And you know, our work is not only financial. It's about being present. It's being, you know, someone coming to your store and saying, hello, how are you doing today? And uh, so I know all of you, each one of you can, can support us, can support the women of Beirut and the women of Lebanon, because our hope is that uh, we can expand beyond, beyond Beirut. And so thank you, Sophie, for giving me this, uh, this platform. And I know that together, uh, you know, sisterhood is so powerful that uh, we can make a change. And people tell me, you know, you're not going to change the world. I say, of course, I'm not going to change the world, but I will change things one woman at a time. Exactly. It doesn't matter how small a change is a change and a change is a yeah. step in the right direction. Yeah. So everybody, oh, carry on. It's our resistance. It's our resistance. Yes, it you know, is. This is the way we resist and this is the way we will make the change we need here. I agree. Maybe. I agree. Everybody listening, so you have heard the shout out. You can head to I Stand for Women on Instagram and all of other social media channels. They do require donations to carry on their work. So if you would like to help there, do click the button. The same goes for us at Levant X. We are a crowdfunded NGO. We provide um, unfiltered stories and voices to the marginalized. So thank you again for listening. Do tune in next week. And Caroline, it's been an absolute pleasure. My heart mm -hmm. is with you and with those women you. that you are helping on a daily basis. Caroline, all the best. Thank Take you, so, Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> Bye.